It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Older than Here we go, taking you home on a Thursday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. What a great day. To be hanging out with us for a couple of hours, we've got a big hour, including Bishop Lewis boys basketball coach Seth Coffing, also Eric Dute, Dute Kevich from Parkview Sports Medicine, getting us all set for the big semifinals tomorrow night in high school boys sectional action. Oh, four down, just one to go with this work week. It has flown by, Adam. That's all I can tell you is it has flown by. In fact, the entire month of February has flown by, and we even have an extra day to play with today. It's we sure do. Happy uh, happy leap year day to everyone. Yeah, happy leap year. For those of you that are born on this day, happy birthday. We happy only year. get to say that to you once every four years, so we don't want to miss the opportunity. <laughs> it might be your 16th birthday. wonder if we have a listener that is a leap year baby. If you were born today, text us 46862. Let's, let's call the hospital. And uh, asked to speak to some woman in labor and maybe get her husband on the line. And, oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Can you hold it off until March 1st? <laughs> 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine Text Line. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, always love to hear from you. Let us know what's on your sports brain. I My sports brain is working uh, man, a little slow. A little under, overheated. Under, under the effects of the maple syrup that I put on my waffle at Waffle House <laughs> last night. <laughs> Oh, man. Great tradition, but terrible hours, mm. you know, to, to go on the road and get a win at Wright State last night when Anthony Roberts went up and stuffed a 14-foot jumper from just inside the left elbow. And, I mean, that was a swat. He just mm-hmm. went up and took it right off the fingertips of Trey Calvin. And, uh, you know, the Don's made two big plays. Not only that one, which protected the lead, but the one that actually forced the overtime. Because Wright State had the final possession, and Trey Calvin was not going to let the ball out of his hands. He was going to be the guy that was going to attempt the shot. Everybody knew it. Everybody on the court knew it. I mean, Wright State players just all got out of the way and stood and watched. And uh, and the Dons actually played a switch defense where they came out and set the ball screen, and the big was the one who set the screen. So on the switch, Eric Mulder, the Don 6'9 center, gets matched up against the six-foot guard, Trey Calvin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the common belief would be at this point that Calvin should attack the basket because he should be able to beat a big man on the drive. Instead, he tried to step back and shoot the three over Mulder. And with Mulder's length at 6'9, it was just too much to get a, go- a good look at a three-point shot. 
He missed it at the end of regulation. Dons went on and held Wright State to one for eight shooting in the overtime session. And they come out of Dayton with a 79-77 win, which earned them a trip to the Waffle House after the game. And so I got back in town about 2 a.m. <laughs> so what uh, what sports will I be missing tonight when I when I crash when at you... about 7.30 or 8 o'clock? <laughs> crash and burn. Um, some NBA, some uh some college basketball. We've got nothing on the radio, so I'm assuming it's a soft sports day. Pretty soft. Obviously, we do have Justin Kenny with the high school coaches show right after us. But other than that, it is a dry Yeah, night. that was no offense to Justin no. that we have nothing on the radio. <laughs> I meant we have no live games. We no don't games. have a Pacers game scheduled no. tonight. There's not a Purdue game scheduled tonight. No. So uh, so it's it's it might be a good night for me to catch up on the Z's that I missed last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure, uh, well, and and here's the other part is that, remember, I'm the only guy on the bus that actually has a real job. Right. You know, they just coach basketball. What (laughs) kind of job is that? No, but seriously, I'm the only one that has to, uh, you know, when the bus pulls in at two, still has to be up at eight. My Mm. eight o'clock time doesn't change. No. Uh, those guys get in at two. It's like, oh, it's a late night. You guys can come in at 10 tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, uh, okay, thanks. Oh, geez. uh, Yeah. So it's been kind of a grind today. I'm. I'm uh, just barely keeping the eyes open. Ooh. Shout out to the texter on the text line, 46862. They said, and Anthony Roberts didn't even have to use his shoe to get the block. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, in fact, the Macedons had three key blocks late in that game. Eric Mulder had one where he came over on help defense and swatted a, a short shot. I think that was from uh, Tanner Holden, perhaps. And then... Uh, uh, Jalen Jackson went yeah. airborne. He showed us some vertical. We did not know that Jalen Jackson had. He went up and swatted a shot in the lane. And then, the, of course, the key block, the one on the final shot of the game by Anthony Roberts. Don's really put together a solid defensive effort because that Wright State team is one of the best offensive teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball, scoring over 86 points per game. They're number one in the entire country in field goal percentage. And so... Uh, and. And just from a talent perspective, Tanner Holden, who transferred in from Ohio State, mm-hmm. uh, that gives you an idea of the kind of talent he has. And Trey Calvin, who's been, what, a, a back-to-back uh, all-Horizon League player and is averaging about 20 points per game. They they just – and then Brandon Knowles, this week's Horizon League player of the week, and he – you know, you think of him as the third option maybe with that team, but this is a guy that – I think last year averaged 15, 16 points per game, and he's pretty close to that this year. They just are very deep, very talented, and Knoll's a tough matchup because he plays the four, but he's truly built like a post player in the Horizon League. He's like 6'8", 230 pounds, 225, and he shoots threes as much as he shoots from the post. So it's a difficult team to match up with, and the Dons really played a solid road basketball game, and that's one thing that they've proven that they can go on the road and it just does not phase them. Whether they're, in fact, maybe they should kind of consider the Coliseum <laughs> to be their road venue now because they've had some troubles at the Coliseum. But uh-huh. they uh, they played really well last night at uh, the Nutter Center in Dayton, and so uh, so congratulations to the Mastodons. Senior Day coming up Saturday. That means the final home game of the regular season, the final game of the regular season. Where is the season gone? Oh. And uh, the Dons will be playing Robert Morris. And I hope you get excited about this matchup because you might just see it back-to-back. Because mm-hmm. right now it looks like the most likely matchup in round one of the Horizon League tournament is Robert Morris at Purdue-Fort Wayne, which would be on Tuesday. 
And the season ends Saturday night with Robert Morris at Purdue-Fort Wayne at the Gates Center. So you might see the same two teams, one to finish the regular season, one to open up the Horizon League tournament. And then if the Dons are successful Tuesday, then they will play a road game on Thursday. The women, though, have the bye on Tuesday. They will be at home next Thursday and will get the opponent to be determined. Always a scary opponent to face in that second <laughs> round. Got to watch out. All right, so uh, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Speaking of the women, uh, they couldn't quite finish the comeback last night. They, man, they just got caught on their heels. And I don't know if, you know, it's the mighty Green Bay Phoenix coming in, if they just were just a little intimidated, played a little scared. I, I don't, all I know, again, looking at my app during the game last night was the women were getting trounced early. It was like 27 to 9 at one point. Then they were down, I think, 20 points. And uh, they made a huge comeback in the second half. Third quarter, they caught fire. And they ended up getting to within just a couple of points there in the fourth quarter, but couldn't get over the hump and eventually fell to Green Bay, 70 to 61. But that second half rally should show them or teach them You can play in this league with anyone if you're playing at your potential. Because you look at the two meetings against Green Bay and the women's team shot about 35%, I think, won the first matchup. I don't know that they were all that much better yesterday because they started so poorly. But uh, but if they play at at their potential, they could play with anybody. And so it'll be a fun tournament to, to keep an eye on. If the women do get to Indianapolis, we do have women's basketball coming your way on the radio uh, not next week, but the week after from Farmers Coliseum down in Indianapolis. Um, so Chris Ballard spoke to the media, and of course, the first question he was asked was all about Michael Pittman's future and whether or not he expects Michael Pittman to be part of the Colts when the 2024 season gets started. Uh, coming up, uh, well, to be in September, but camp will begin sometime late July. And Chris Ballard was very definitive in his response. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. It's yes, Michael Pittman will be part of this team. And he was asked this morning by uh, our friend Kevin Bowen, does that mean you would consider using the franchise tag? And Chris Ballard responded, that is a tool that we have at our disposal. And so one way or another, you can kind of, at this point, not even worry about Michael Pittman going to someone else. The Colts are absolutely committed that some way, shape, or form, they're going to have Michael Pittman. Remember, the salary cap has taken a big jump this year, and it was kind of a surprise. No one was expecting it to make this big a jump. It leaves the Colts fifth in the league in cap space. According to CBS Sports, they have $72 million in uh, in cap space, which means they can go out and try to get somebody. Now, Unfortunately, T. Higgins is going to be franchised by the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the targets everybody was kind of liking to come to the Colts. He's not going to be available. Um, But but the other thing is the Colts have that 15th pick in the draft. Who is it going to be? And a lot of people talking about Brock Bowers, the tight end slash. I almost just feel like calling him a receiver because Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that you can even classify him as a true tight end. But just a talented receiver. And apparently there's seems to be mutual interest that that Brock Bowers is raving about Anthony Richardson. 
Yeah, he is. Um, I'll have to take a minute to find the quote here. Here he goes. Um, I just remember him being a freak athlete, a big dude. He was tough to bring down for our defense. He's a baller. Yeah. Brower, Brower said of Richardson. And uh, and the Colts weren't shy about going out and interviewing Bowers either. They sent uh, the entire committee, most of the front office, was invited to the party. Yeah, he shared uh, that his meeting with the Colts was a formal interview, and he shared that, quote, everyone was in there. He clarified there were 15 to 20 people in the room. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, because we think of these meetings as like meetings that take take place at uh what st elmo's or whatever you know mm-hmm. over a shrimp cocktail <laughs> where you have like three people sitting at a table right not this one this must have been a big conference room where uh where he was uh interviewed by the colts i don't know if the colts can get him at 15 if the colts are absolutely committed that he's the guy much like we talked last year about the quarterback spot if he's the guy and he's the future and you want to get him paired with anthony richardson I think you've got to consider maybe this is the year, Chris Ballard, where you actually go against your grain and you trade up because I'm not sure he just happens to fall to you at 15. We'll see how he does in uh, the combine drills. But I, I'm i a little concerned on whether he would, would fall. Also, I don't know if you noticed or saw the NFL uh, NFLPA put out a report card on all the teams. Colts did not fare great. Nope. And really got hammered on a couple of categories. Team travel. I'm not sure if that means the hotel you stay at, if it's the plane. What What is team travel? There was a specific complaint listed that uh, members of the coaching staff were allowed the wider seats at the front of the plane where players were squished together in the smaller seats at the back of the team plane. Uh, where did the radio guy sit? That's the important thing. That's where, where's where Matt Taylor sitting on those flights? I'm sure he's he nice got and squished, comfy. Yeah, he's squished seat. <laughs> Um, no, but, uh, sometimes team travel can involve, you know, what, what accommodations they make for families mm-hmm. and other things like that. The Colts did not score well. I think they got a D on team travel. Yep. And, uh, also daycare provided on game days. Yep. They are one of seven teams that do not currently in the NFL. And, and that seems like, okay, it's got to be a given. You just, I mean, it, it's become something where 23 of 30 teams is doing it or 25 of 32 teams mm-hmm. is doing it. Um, you've got to be one that steps up and does it. And and so I think maybe that's a wake-up call for the Colts. I'm not too concerned about that because I think that's something where the Colts will probably get the message that that's the going trend right now. You've got to take care of the kids. And so uh, I think they'll straighten that out. One, though, that isn't going to change, ownership. No ownership. A C. Oh. Not a great grade. No. But- Much better for Shane Steichen. A minus. A minus, but a C for ownership. Right in the middle. C's get degrees, Brett. No, come on. Yeah. That, <laughs> is that the way you approach school? <laughs> I'm, you know. You know, I'm good with it. It's, it's not it's an a, F. I'm passing. It's not a D. <laughs> yeah. It's not up there where the smart kids are. It's just oh, no. right here where the normal kids are. Exactly. Yeah. The normal kids are sitting <laughs> normal at C. Kids. The normal kids. Uh, all right. So uh, we got to take a break because uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to talk to Seth Coffing, which does mean Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, which I wasn't really prepared to do it on Thursday, is not going to be on a Thursday. Oh, no. I don't know if Griff is going to pick up the ball and run with it tomorrow, but... We'll see. Yeah, we might... I, I, might, I, mean, I might be able to convert, convince we'll, we'll him. We'll figure out. We'll figure it out. We'll get this pizza yeah, delivered. Yeah, because we have to talk to Seth Coffing. Much more important than playing Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. So, 
Uh, we'll take a break and talk to the coach of the Bishop Lures Knights boys basketball team coming up in uh, just a few. Hey, Eric Duton Kevich, Berkeley Sports Medicine, is going to join us coming up in about 10, 12 minutes. But we've got a chat with Bishop Lures boys basketball coach Seth Coffing as he's set to take his Knights on the court in Bluffton tomorrow night for a sectional semifinal against Whitco. And, uh, Coach, first of all, uh, congrats and, uh, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Brett. Uh, always great to talk to you. Had a chance to see your basketball team play three or four times this year. And almost felt like early in the year, other teams were trying to figure you out. And maybe you were still trying to figure your team out. A little different look than what you had last year, especially uh, with what the Truesdales are able to contribute. But uh, tell me about the evolution of this team, where it's at now, and how teams have evolved in far, as far as defending you and how you've had to adjust. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as you said, teams kind of tried to adjust to what, we were doing, um, you know, obviously with our athleticism and, and uh, how fast we can get up and down the floor, that's kind of been a focus of what we've been trying to do all year as far as just getting out in our transition game and, and really putting pressure people on people on, on defense and, uh, you know, forcing some offense with some deflections and, and steals and things like that. And it's really kind of come uh, into focus as far as our defensive effort over the last, you know, week or two. Um, we finally got Isaac Zay back healthy too, which is a huge piece for us and, um, you know, I think the evolution of our team, as you were saying, is just really um, figuring out our identity on the defensive end more than anything offensively. I just all along have been preaching uh, to be unselfish because we have so many guys that can score the ball. So if we're not settling for just a good shot and we're really looking for a great shot, then typically we score the ball at a high level. Draylon and Darian Truesdale, if you get to a final play call, how do you decide between the two? <laughs> well... It kind of depends on who's having the better game. Um, yeah, I mean, they're both uh, so dynamic. Um, they're really hard to guard. Um, but the difference really is Darion's more of a, a scorer. Um, Draylon does a little bit of everything on the floor, and Darion has one focus when he gets the ball in offense, that's to put the ball in the basket. And he's kind of a killer when it comes to that. And, and Draylon will, will uh, share it. He'll, you know, he'll load the stat sheet up with blocks and steals and rebounds and Darian's had some big big uh, games rebounding, and especially with steals. I mean, both of those guys are averaging over three steals a game, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the game, um, you want to you know get those guys in space and, and uh, allow them to create. Coach, one thing with those two, they've got the length, they've got the athleticism. They can really be uh, tough players uh, to, to play against, especially when they're on defense or you're on defense. Uh, but yet, occasionally, they get themselves in a little bit of trouble, maybe being overly aggressive and picking up a foul here and there. This is the tournament, and there's very little margin for error, and one extra foul that maybe puts you on the bench is probably uh, not the best way to, to win in advance. Uh, have you had to change your style to save their minutes? Uh, not really. Um, I think it's more of a learning process for them trying to figure out, you know, what they can do and what they can't do as far as how the game's being called. Um, you know, some of their fouls are, they get steals when they're reaching and they're they're getting hands on, on uh, passes and dribbles, but um, sometimes that's how they get their fouls too. And they have they have to recognize in those situations, you know, if they get a foul early, that they got to be a little bit more careful. And really over the last, uh, I would say, three games, they've done a really, really good job of that. And I think they're kind of maturing when it comes to that. We've, we've done a lot of uh, talking about, 
those situations and just, you know, we need them on the floor. And so we can't have them picking up two fouls in the first quarter and uh, three fouls before half and that type of situation. So they have to, they have to understand when they do pick up one that they have to kind of scale it back a little bit, especially with their hands. Uh, they're so athletic that, you know, they're going to get steals regardless if they're just playing solid. And that's, uh, again, kind of been a learning process that I think they're getting to. Um, you know, when they get to the college level, they're not going to be able to take it from people as easily as they can, they can at the high school level. And that's been a conversation that's been ongoing with them. Maybe it's just my observation, but Danny Kelly seems to be a more confident player as the season has gone on. Have you seen that as his coach? Yeah, Danny provides so much for us. Um, you know, when he has a big game shooting, that's great, but it's really more about what he does defensively, rebounding the ball, um, changing shots, you know, defensively blocking shots. Um, you know, he gets steals himself too in deflections. He's so long and really underrated how athletic he is. He's, mm-hmm. he is very athletic. Um, and, uh, typically when he, uh, fills that stat sheet, um, you know, rebounding wise blocks, steals, those type of things, then, then we're in good shape. And, uh, if he scores it, it's just of a bonus for us at this point. And, and he's had games where he shot it really well. And obviously that's, that's important if he does that. But, uh, really the more important thing is, is what he does away from the ball. Seth Goffing, Bishop Lewis, boys basketball coach, joining us here on the Sports Rush. And, uh, Coach, we took take a look at the season. And if you just look at wins and losses, and I don't think that's always the ultimate gauge to determine if a team's playing their best basketball late. But if you look at wins and losses, you've had a few more L's here late in the season. Where is this team as far as making that progress toward playing its best basketball here in tournament time? Yeah, we feel like we're in a good place. You know, a couple of losses, uh, obviously, would like to get back um but like i said earlier having isaac back uh for us at full strength is is really really important i i firmly believe in a couple of losses that we would have been on the the winning end if we had him just because he's so solid um and he's always in the right spot and his leadership that he brings the competitiveness that he brings is really huge for our team and uh you know when he first got hurt and we were without him we kind of survived a couple of those games and and I thought last night was a perfect example. You know, Bluffton, maybe not as talented as some of the other teams that we're going to face, especially moving forward. But we really kind of had that killer instinct last night, which is what we've been talking about. We've had a lot of opportunities this year to put teams away. And a lot of times we'll let teams kind of get back into the game. And then we'll go on an 8 10 nothing run or something like that and finish off the game and win by 12 or 14 when it was actually, you know, a four or five point game for a while. But if we can get that lead early and just kind of, kind of put it on those teams, then, then, uh, we're in good shape. But, I really feel like we've grown from those losses, and sometimes you have to have that. You know, as a coach, I would much rather grow from a win. But, uh, you know, if, if you do have those losses, then you have to figure out why and, and figure out, um, you know, how to move forward and, and do better the next time, and I think we've done that. We've talked plenty about this being such a difficult sectional, and it's one reason why we are going to be there for the two games coming up tomorrow night. You're in an odd position because the two games in the opening round were played on Wednesday, not Tuesday. And so it's just a one-day turnaround for both you and Whitco to kind of get familiar with one another. And I'd imagine it's a team that your your players know very little about. I don't. I'm sure the coaching staff is probably taking a peek ahead. But uh, what do you know about Whitco? They had an impressive win against Manchester to open things up. Yeah, they looked really good last night. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody expected that game to be tight, and uh, they kind of blew Manchester out. And uh, you know, a season and Crowler. Uh, they're hard matchups. Um, season really had an excellent first half all over the floor last night. Um, and then they were up, I think, pretty close to 20 and a half. And, uh, you know, they were playing extremely hard on defense, too. That's something that we've, 
we talked about is, you know, watching their film earlier in the year, they've definitely gotten better um, as the years went on the defensive end. You know, Coach Benedict has been around a long time, uh, knows exactly what he wants to do with his teams, and, and they've been going out and executing that. Uh, they've won uh, 19 games now or 18 games now or whatever it is, and, and uh, they're going to be a tough matchup. Those two kids are really, really good, and then their guards around them shoot the ball well, and uh, they're, just, they're just disciplined. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily know them real well as a team, but, you know, those guys play uh, with some of our guys in AU and all that, so they're all familiar with each other. Um, and, yeah, our coaches have been um, getting on the scouts and doing those ahead of time. You know, each coach kind of has a team that, that they're in charge of for the tournament to scout. And so we were prepared today for practice, and, and I went over a lot of things, and uh, we'll watch a little bit more film tomorrow and go over some more things, and, and we'll be ready. Um, we know it was going to be a quick turnaround, but I thought last night was really good for us to, to get out to that big lead and hold it because we were able to you know, not play guys extended minutes, and uh, everybody on our bench played a lot of minutes, and so we got a decent amount of rest compared to what a lot of games look like. Four teams remaining and a combined record of 76-19. and 19. It's going to be a heck of a battle starting tomorrow at Bluffton. Best of luck to you, Coach. Appreciate the time as always. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Yeah, thanks, Brett. It's going to be an exciting night of basketball. It's a high level, especially for 2A in the state. It's probably the best uh, sectional semifinals you're going to find around in one area. So hopefully you guys can uh, come out and see some good basketball. Appreciate it so much. Seth Coffing joining us here on the Sports Rush, talking about his Bishop Lewis Knights, who are 19-5, and five, and they don't have the best record in their matchup. Whitco is 19-4, and four, and of course, uh, the name Asijan might ring a bell for some in, in this area. <laughs> also, uh, you know, and, and if it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for Lures playing in the second game, the first game would get all the attention because oh, you've got yeah. Blackhawk with Ooh. their history Taking on Adam Central, who is twenty and four. They've been fantastic in the ACAC this season. Yeah, and uh, so it's uh, it's a huge matchup. And I think I said Schwartz is Schultz. I, you know, yeah, Schultz you know. Schwartz sometimes. Uh, but uh, but it's going to be a big game between Blackhawk and Adam Central to open things up. We've got both games, and your coverage begins just before six o'clock tip, and then the second game, approximately thirty minutes after the conclusion of the first game. Join us tomorrow night. For the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show, live at the Bluffton Pizza Hut. We'll be there until 10.30. Hope all of the Wells County community comes out, says hello. And, of course, we'll have swag. We've got our T-shirt that is a custom uh, T-shirt that promotes hoops in the 260 with high school basketball and 1380 The Fan. You can only get it by coming out and seeing us tomorrow night. It's our final post game show of the year. So do not miss it tomorrow night, whether you make it in person or listen on the radio. We'll give you all the final scores. We'll get uh, coaches' comments. And, of course, we'll set up our championship games. That's coming up tomorrow. The Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Games of the Week with semifinals. Blackhawk Adam Central to open it up. Whitco Lures as the nightcap. And then we'll go right back down to Bluffton on Saturday night. I believe Derek Decker is going to make the trip. And he'll be there for uh, the championship game on Saturday night. And it's another game that you can hear right here at 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, which does mean Mastodon's basketball coming up Saturday night will be available on the stream and the stream only at 1380thefan.com. Got it all covered. Now we can talk to Dude. So we'll take a break. And Eric Dute, Dutekevich from Parkview Sports Medicine joins us next. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6, coming up at the top of the hour. It is Justin Kenny. He's going to be uh, the host for our high school coaches show, taking you from 6 to 7 o'clock. And then tomorrow night, as we mentioned, we'll be at Bluffton for high school basketball, the sectional semifinals. Join us for Bishop Lewers. Actually, it's Blackhawk versus Adam Central first, and then Bishop Lewers versus Whitco as the nightcap. And then the real nightcap happens at the Bluffton Pizza Hut because Eric Dutukevich will be making a personal appearance along with Adam Lundy and yours truly. In fact, tomorrow we've got the coach Shannon Griffith filling in here from 4 to 6 so I can be in Bluffton all evening Yeah, hanging out with you two. Oh. Have fun, man. Let's yeah. have fun. <laughs> so let's, uh, <laughs> let's bring Dude onto the show. Eric Dutukevich joining us. How are you today, Dude? Good afternoon, Brett. Uh, yes, uh, looking forward to heading down to Bluffton. I mean, I tell you, these sectionals have <laughs> have been pretty wild so far and uh, have not disappointed. I, I can say that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been kind of interesting. I I don't know. Do we have any like boy? There's an upset I didn't expect. Any any of those moments so far? I think Belmont losing on Tuesday night uh, down at the McConaughey sectional. In fact, that sectional has produced three buzzer beaters in the first round. Mm -hmm. Belmont went down to a buzzer beater. Norwell went down to a buzzer beater. And I think the other one was Peru losing uh, in that one. So, yeah, I mean, I think Belmont being – they were the highest-ranked team to lose in the, in the first round of all of the classes, all of the teams, number eight in class 3A. Uh, a, a, a very good sectional down there. Uh, in Bunker Hill, Indiana, as we figured out, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's actually Mississinawa. Yes, that was the one where the girls were at McConaughey, boys are at Mississinawa. That's in Gas City. Anyway, same teams basically, uh, but Bluffton gets upset at the buzzer, um, so they were the highest ranked team to go down in the first round in all the state. Um, so that was kind of a surprise there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think. You know, uh, North, you know, Northrop and Carroll going to that overtime game, not necessarily surprising, but just an exciting finish there with uh, Cannon Hauser hitting the three-pointer uh, to, to send it to overtime. And just, I think for the most part since then, it's it's kind of been uh, business as usual with some of the teams winning. But, uh, you know, the, that, that's, uh, you know, Snyder and, and, and East Noble had a good game off the bat and, and so it's, it's exciting times uh, for these teams to continue to play and a lot of different matchups. Sometimes you're familiar with foes, other foes you haven't seen in maybe years or if ever. And so it's just a really cool opportunity to see where uh, all the hard work has led to this moment for these teams. And, you know, you win in advance or, 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 or lose and go home. And that's, that's the interesting part of it. You know, they say you could throw out the regular season records in Indiana because everybody gets to play in the tournament. Everybody gets new life and a second opportunity. Uh, maybe that holds true uh, nowhere more so than at Northrop, where the Bruins had a one-win season. Uh, they get a bye. They've got Snyder. Is there any chance, dude? And I know, don't be biased on me. I no, know yeah. I know you're a Snyder, a Snyder guy, but... <laughs> But yeah, is, is there any chance Northrop can use this as kind of a second life, a new life? Well, I think Snyder ultimately wins this game. But I think there again, 14 points on January 5th. Snyder has had an up-and-down season. You, they win a few games, and then they lose a few games. 
Northrop has stayed relatively consistent in that they've lost a lot. They're one in twenty. They're the the only one win team in the entire state to earn a buy. Uh, but winless in SAC play. Uh, but you know the fact of the matter is they're still in it and they get another shot at at North uh, at Snyder. So I think that they have that chance and that opportunity because the, you know you fast forward with a young team from where you were even midway through the season, beginning of the season, now you're at the, the end of the season, uh, the draw comes out, the draw is favorable to you and that you get a bye, you still get to play. Um, and realistically, you're playing your rival in that respect uh, at a sectional that, for the most part, is kind of open. I mean, Northrop is, is, is definitely the one-win team in there, but also all those other teams are capable of winning that, that sectional in some way, shape, or form. It's not like one of those things where it's like, man, here is the clear-cut favorite that is just going to demolish everybody. Uh, you can make the case for Northside. You can make the case for Snyder. You can make the case even for a DeKalb team that's won three of their last four down the stretch, uh, even after finishing one and six in conference. So, you know, I think Snyder gets by Northrop, but also, too, the bye and the extra time off have given – uh, Shane Merriman and company an extra extra time to look at some of those teams and to go back in time and see where where that they need to make those improvements the second time around. We'll have to let time be the uh, deciding factor here, but I still think that maybe Northside Carroll were the two best teams meeting in that first round. But let's talk about Northside semifinal opponent because it's Marty Beasley, and that means that this is going to be a game where pace is going to be a major factor. DeKalb will want to take a little bit of the air out of the football, out of the football, out of the basketball, and Northside probably will want to pressure and play fast. What what do you think gives when DeKalb and Northside play in that second semifinal at East Noble? Well, I think it's, it's it, what do we get from the Northside team? That You know, we, we've talked about it all year is, you know, they started really hot, I think 7-0, and a top-10 team in Class 4A, and then the wheels kind of fell off in January, and I think it's one of those been one of those teams that's just trying to been finding their footing. I think Eugene Young Jr. has really emerged for Northside, even out of that group of guys that we say are really good. Jackson Fugate, you throw Jordan King in there, but even Eugene Young Jr. I feel has taken that extra step now as we enter postseason play. So I think that's going to be the key again for Northside. I mean, they have eight seniors on this team. Nine of you include Tay, who hasn't played all year, which is really shocking to me. I didn't even know that until senior night. So this is a team that, you know, I think on, on paper probably hope to do a lot more, uh, but now there's opportunity. They won the sectional a year ago. They have this opportunity to go back-to-back, which, is, you know, has not been done a whole lot in recent t- memory, in recent time for, for Northside basketball. I like them going over to Cal. Uh, I think the defense will, will – provide them fifth a little bit and slowing the ball down. Uh, but Northside likes to run and, and get out, and they can be pretty good from 3-2 and open things up that way. I think there's some intriguing matchups at Homestead in the Class 4A uh, sectional. You know, New Haven might be the scariest 7-16 and 16 team that's in this <laughs> field because, I mean, they're capable on any given night, uh, but they got to go against Wayne, and Wayne seems to really be clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I think this might be one of those first half, it's a game type of games where, you know, uh, you know, Wayne is definitely the favorite. New Haven overall has is, is not had the greatest year, but, you know, recently with the four uh, straight wins down the stretch and, 
beating a team like Bishop Lures by 11 on senior night, all of that, going on the road and beating a Southside team to close out the regular season. Now they get to come and, and play Wayne. Wayne beat them by 37 points in December. So that was the, the New Haven team then. Oh, by the way, Wayne has pretty much been that same team, really dating back midway through last year. I mean, it's kind of been that consistency that we've seen all along. I think Wayne gets the win here. I think ultimately Wayne gets to this sectional. Uh, I like Columbia City, you know, just to kind of precurse things on over Homestead. But, uh, you know, I think this Wayne team, 11 straight wins, back-to-back SAC champs, they're proving that they're still part of that conversation amongst local teams, of course. Is there a chance that Columbia City is repping the girls' program when they take on Homestead? Because uh, I know, think that school might this, feel like they owe Homestead something. You're right. I mean, and I, this is going to be a good game. I mean, I think Columbia City wins this game, but also, too, like, I mean, Homestead has, has, come, has shown flashes of brilliance throughout the year. They're sitting at 13-12. and 12. Uh, Columbia City, best year in, in several years for them being any eight champs, nine and two in the 2024 side of the season. They beat Homestead on January 16th by 19 points, uh, but also seven postseason losses in a row for Columbia City, too. And you're playing a team like Homestead that has been there, done that. We do the same thing with girls as it is for the boys. We're a case where can Columbia City get over a hump? And don't think for one second a place like Columbia City doesn't think like beating Homestead in anything is huge for a school like Columbia City. So I think there is that added pressure for Columbia City. It is at Homestead on top of it. So it's a road game. I expect, you know, a good fan base to come up from Columbia City. But Columbia City has gotten by on buzzer beater, last minute heroics from Stratton, Fuller, and Denning, and some of those other guys. How long can they keep that going? So far, so good, and they're they're matching up against a, a homestead team that will take it to them. Running tight on time, dude, but I do want to yeah. get your thoughts on where we'll be tomorrow night because uh, a lot of eyes will be on this Bluffton sectional in Class 2A because you've got Blackhawk, Adams Central to open up the night. Could be a heck of a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this sectional, we've talked about it all years, just even before the ping-pong balls were drawn, the idea of, you know, three, four top ten teams. Of course, Manchester goes down as an upset last night to Whitco back-to-back games beating Manchester. Uh, you know, Blackhawk Christian has been the, is the state champion, 45-9 and nine, last two years under Matt Roth. Nine of the last ten sectionals forced their eight in Class 2As and, of course, three state titles in the last five years. So they are the team to beat. If for no other reason, they have, they're the team that's been winning. Uh, Adam Central is trying to make that push to be that team that they that they've longed to be. Twenty straight or twenty wins this season, one hundred and ninety eight career wins for Aaron McClure in his two stints. They're nine and one in February. They have a tall task in beating Blackhawk Christian. It's a lot different from just the schedule that BC plays, and I think Blackhawk Christian does get by Adam Central. Uh, this is one that, you know, two straight years for Adam Central has played Blackhawk Christian. The Braves have won uh, in the sectional final. Um, and, of course, they've gone on to win a state title last year. And I think Blackhawk Christian wins this game. You mentioned Whitco with that win over Manchester. But let's not look past Whitco because you've got yeah. a veteran coach. You've got 
uh, a, a big name in Asesian and and uh, a great supporting cast there at Whitco and Bishop Lewers, who uh, who you know they've they've had an outstanding year and they fell short in the Summit Athletic Conference race, trying to maybe earn their trophy at the sectional level. That could be a great nightcap at Bluffton. Absolutely, I mean Whitco is playing as as good as anybody relative to their conference, their class in really the area, and I know Whitco's kind of just to the west of Fort Wayne, off Highway 14, but really a TRC team. They got Isijin, who transferred in from, from Central Noble. A lot of people don't even really know that, I mean, until here we come. Chris Benedict, the longtime coach at Columbia City, now in his fourth year at, at Whitco, uh, 50 wins in that, in that time frame. So Whitco is an upset-minded team that has proved it so far. Bishop Lewers that team that, again, started off hot, struggled the second half of the year, uh, lost out on the SAC, have lost some other games that probably they should have won. What is that mentality of that Lures team? We know Seth Coffey will focus in on a lot of things. He's talked about it on, a, on the postgame show a couple times of, of getting back to practice and working hard to get back, and, and then you have a great game. Can Lures get over that hump? Because it's been a long time. For Lures, uh, to, to 2017 since their last sectional as well. So uh, I actually think Whitco pulls the upset again. I, I'm picking Whitco to beat Bishop Lures to move on to face Blackhawk Christian on Saturday. And I, I think realistically, ultimately, Blackhawk Christian kind of uh, handles business pretty pretty efficiently in this sectional this weekend. Okay, now we are very tight on time. But <laughs> I do want to mention a couple of things. First of all, Parkview Baseball Classic comes back to, par- to uh, Parkview Field again while the Tin Caps are out of town this spring. And uh, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit more down the road. But I do want to mention a big week for Parkview Sports Medicine, adding to the family. How about that? Yeah, we're excited to announce. We announced it uh, earlier this week. Cherubusco High School is our new PSM partner school. We, we welcome them and, and their new, the new partnership as the official sports medicine provider for Busco Athletics. Safety on the sidelines with an athletic trainer for Busco athletes. Also access to our orthopedic partner, Ortho Northeast. And now we're up to over 30 high schools, five colleges, 10 youth organizations of sports in Northeast Indiana and Northwest Ohio. Just continuing to, to become more and become greater than before. And we welcome the Cherubusco High School to our to the fold. Uh, I heard there's a huge turtle up there that everybody <laughs> talks about is still trying to find. Still turtle. So I'm gonna have town. to go up there and do some digging. Still turtle town, yet they call themselves the Eagles. So I, well, I still so the turtle was in '49. The, the Cherubusco, I think, opened in 1918. So there uh, you go. There's it's, your answer. It's the Northside Legends, so it can always be changed. Dude. <laughs> they could change it. They could. <laughs> change. I, I like Cherubusco turtles, but. Uh, they're the Eagles, along with Columbia City, which are in the same same uh, county. We'll see you tomorrow night, dude. Thanks, man. We'll see you down in Bluffton. Eric Dutevich joining us here on the Sports Rush. We'll come back wrap it up next. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Probably heard this once, twice, maybe 40 times today. LeBron went off last night, 40 or 39 years old. I guess he's not 40 yet officially. He's 39. But what a night for LeBron James. And Crazy. I started to think about LeBron James with what he's doing at his age. Does it now sway your opinion on the greatest of all time? In other words, do these late years for LeBron James, now he's been able to sustain that level of play, 
because it's not just the peak performance during prime years, but now it actually becomes great performance into their late years because Michael Jordan was fading quickly. In fact, he was done with the game by the time he was 39. So does it sway you to think that maybe LeBron takes a spot above Michael when you've been a Michael Jordan guy all along? I can't answer that because I've been a LeBron guy all along. So (laughs) So it hasn't swayed you a bit. Not surprising. All right. Coming up next, we've got the High School Coaches Show. Justin Kenny standing by in the green room right now, putting on his makeup, getting set for the big hour, the (laughs) extravaganza that's going to be coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We've got sectional basketball from Bluffton coming up tomorrow night right here. Doubleheader basketball starts at 6, ends with the Parkview Sports Medicine postgame show right after in Bluffton. Thanks to our guests, Scott Agnes, Seth Coffing, and Eric Dutdutkevich. This has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.